Meek Speaks is your favorite podcast destination for women empowerment, healing, self-love, self-discovery, forgiveness, and manifesting a purposeful life. We don't always talk about the things that you want to hear, but you definitely need to hear it. So let's get into it. episode four and God is good. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I had to do it. Anyway, we are still here. We are still digging deep. Mm. Let me tell y'all something. Because I promised honesty. I promised transparency as much as I can. So I got to share with y'all the level of anxiety I felt. I have felt coming into this conversation has been through the roof because I knew that it was going to require me to visit some reference points in my life that are that don't always leave me in a good headspace. Um, but I also know that in order for this journey to work, that I have to have those uncomfortable moments. I have to have those and embrace those uncomfortable conversations but listen I was this close to saying uh, nope nope I can't do it but I'm here I'm committed to it and I hope that something said today will help whoever is listening okay um, I will bring my guest on in just a moment but before I do that I do want to run down the podcast etiquette for those of you tuning in for the first time here at Meek Speaks Podcast. <laughs> this is a judgment-free zone. We will create a safe space for our audience. We will be respectful. We will be considerate and there will be no profanity. Podcast season is coming to an end. All right. Our last episode will be in October. That will be the intimate episode with just me. I'm looking forward to it <laughs> because, you know, I don't, I don't really talk a lot on the podcast. This is really a platform for other women to come and share their stories, but I will use that opportunity to give y'all a little bit more of me. <laughs> All right. Hi, podcast family. We are back and I have with me Miss Catherine Babcock to help me with today's conversation. The topic today is how old are you? This is going to be a good one. It's going to get real deep, so I hope you're ready for it. But I kind of was introduced to Catherine through a um, like a group for speakers on Facebook, and we had an assignment to do an introduction. And I think I think we were supposed to like say why we why we spoke or why we speak or something like that. I can't remember exactly, but I watched your video. And I was like, oh, I got to know more about her. And so I kind of, you know, reached out. We, you know, had a conversation, scheduled a Zoom call and talked and everything. And I was like, yeah, we have to, you know, get you on the podcast. So here we are. And I appreciate you for joining me today to help me with this conversation. I will share a little bit about what I know about you. And as you guys can see, Catherine is joining us virtually. She is coming from Denver, Colorado. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a lot. I've been there once. I've been there once. Mm -hmm. 
it's been a few years back though like several years ago i visited there um i do know um sergeant bubbles is that the name of the business that's the name of the business okay with the handmade soaps lotions face masks etc okay so i'm going to let you just tell everybody who you are and a little bit more about your business and what you're expecting out of today's episode oh boy well first of all i'm so glad that you asked me to be on your podcast i'm so excited I have been really looking forward to this a lot. I just, I think the world of you and just am really excited you. to be here. Absolutely. Um, my name is Catherine and I'm turning 50 in a month. So that's a big milestone. Yes. It is. Um, I had my kids. I've got three kids. I was a single mom throughout their childhood. Um, I started young, so they're all out of the house now. Um, and... You know, raising kids, you don't have a lot of time to think about yourself right. um, and to think about what you need. And, you know, I actually went on a date after my kids had grown and gone. And the guy asked me, what do you like to do? And I had no <laughs> answer for him. I could talk yeah. for hours about what my kids like to do. Yeah. But I had no clue what I like to do. So that was embarrassing and it got me thinking and I realized <laughs> what I like to do is help other people. And at the same time, I had the revelation that had I practiced some self-care when my kids were growing up, mm -hmm. I would have been in a much better spot to be a good mom. And I never did that. I never bought a beautiful bar of soap or a good face mask or even used a face mask when my kids were growing up. I didn't have time. I didn't have the money. Mm -hmm. I didn't have any of that. Um, but it dawned on me how important that is to take care of yourself. Right. And so I, you know, and, and a lot of moms don't do it. So I started Sergeant Bubbles. Um, it's been absolutely wonderful. I love it. Um, we create, like you said, handmade soaps and lotions and scrubs and bath bombs and lip balms. And we actually just launched a line of lip glosses geared toward drag queens, but they're oh. also good for the everyday woman. So it's hard to think how a lip gloss for a drag queen would translate to an everyday woman, but they do. Um, they're nice and sheer. And so that's been my latest passion is, is getting those out because those are so fun and they're so pretty. Um, but I spend my days in my soapery making all of these things. They're all handmade in small batches. Um, they're all as much as I can. They're all natural. They're locally sourced because I think that that's important. Yeah. Um, and we try to do things that are good for the skin and, and the spirit, but also good for the planet because I don't want to contribute any more garbage to the planet than has already been introduced. So I work really hard on trying not to do that. Gotcha. And then the fun part of my job is when I ship orders, um, I ship lots of little extra toys and candy and all kinds of little extra things that people <laughs> don't expect from a skincare company. So yes, it's a skincare company, but no, it's not a spa type company. Um, okay. We're really fun. We have some really naughty soaps. So if you're looking for a bachelorette gift or something to give your friend that's that's naughty, um, we have several of those soaps and can meet your needs. But we also do beautiful 
you know, handmade flowery type soaps that are wonderful. Our bath bombs are wonderful. So we can meet your needs kind of across the board. So that's my work kind of part of my life. Um, I have two dogs. I just adopted a another Chihuahua who's 12 weeks old now. So she's an enormous pain in the neck and she's <laughs> on everything and gets into everything. Um, but she's so cute that I can't help but adore her. So I've got my two Chihuahuas and um, am on the dating in the dating pool trying to figure out what my options are there. And that's really about it. That's Catherine in a nutshell. Okay. Okay. Cool. Well, like I said, I'm glad that you were able to carve some time out to join me in this conversation with the topic being how old are you? When I asked that question, I asked my husband a question. He's like, well, what are y'all talking about today? And I said, well, the topic is how old are you? He was like, what? <laughs> And I purposely do stuff like that because I know it kind of throws you for a loop in the beginning. And then you're kind of wondering like, well, where are we going with this? Like, what are we talking about with this? So what y'all don't know is that when Catherine and I had our Zoom conversation to, you know, just kind of get the feel of each other to see if, if I was a good fit for her and she was a good fit for me. I will be honest. I was like, okay, I'm getting real surface level type of responses from you. So let's dig a little deeper. Now, I'm not going to dig too deep, but I was like, it's something else there. It's something else there. And you shared something with me. And I asked you, well, how old were you? Do you remember that conversation? I do remember that conversation. Okay. Do you want to share the conversation? <laughs> I don't remember exactly what I told you because my answers can vary from moment to moment. Um. But I do remember us talking about it. That somehow morphed into a conversation about our mothers mm -hmm. and how your mother really impacts. Oh, she impacts everything in your life, mm -hmm. whether you're six or 16 or 66. Your mother impacts your life, but mm -hmm. I don't remember exactly what I told you. Okay. No problem. No problem. I'm going to refresh your memory. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> they say that's the first thing to go. So, you know, part of when you make the decision that you want to heal, that you want to forgive, that you want to become a better version of yourself. Sometimes you ask yourself, okay, well, what is it that I need to heal from? Who exactly am I supposed to be forgiving? And you have to sometimes go back and revisit. You may have to look in their review mirror momentarily and figure out, okay, what was the moment? What was the time? What happened that brought me here to where I need to heal from it? I need to forgive. So I'm asking you, what was the moment that everything just kind of, changed and not for the better i will tell you my mom my my mom has played a big role in my life not always positively okay. um she's a good woman on the surface she was runner-up to miss america she was a flight attendant before i was born 
my father was in the Air Force Academy, so she married somebody upwardly mobile. Um, everything looked good on the outside, but mm -hmm. I think my daughter actually just brought this to my attention a couple of days ago when we were talking about why my mom hates me, but is absolutely enthralled with my daughter. She cannot get enough wow. of my daughter. Wow. And she will pay off. My daughter lost her job and she will pay off bills for my daughter. They go do mani petties together. They, but my mom would never have done something like that for me ever, never. And I, my daughter brought it to my attention the other day that she thinks that my mom, that I kind of crashed my mom's party when I was born. And mm -hmm. she thinks that my mom was kind of a happy with her life the way she was, but my dad wanted kids. So I kind of crashed the party, which I had never considered before. Right. Um, you know, so she thinks that my mom and I had never bonded, but I'll tell you after I was born or when my mom was pregnant with me, she had a very bad drinking problem and was a drunk throughout my childhood. And I'm not talking about fall down crazy. She was a functioning alcoholic. Um, the problem was when we would come, I have a younger brother, but when we would come home, she worked a full-time job and she would come home and put down a gallon of wine a night. So she was fine during the work day, but then we had to deal with the repercussions at night. Yeah. And she never treated my brother the way that she's treated me. I don't know what that's about, but my brother is just perfect in her eyes. And we used to have these, when I was growing up, we'd have these knockdown drag out fights. And I don't ever recall, I'm sure that I was, but I don't ever recall being blatantly disrespectful to my mother because I knew she wouldn't put up with it. Right. But that didn't stop the fightings or the beatings or she would take the phones to work with her. So I couldn't talk to my friends on the phone, but then she'd make surprise visits home to make sure that we were at home and, and doing what we were supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. um, but when I was 14, she was arrested for child abuse with me and mm -hmm. didn't, didn't have a problem with my brother. They were going to put me in foster care and my dad, I called my dad and my dad said, no, 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 come live with me. So I went and lived with my dad for about six years. And that was the happiest part of my childhood that I can remember is because I didn't have to worry about what was going to happen tonight when I got home. And so she still blames me to this day for having her arrested for being abusive. And she still doesn't take any responsibility for it. She says that I made it all up. But the police took pictures of the bruises and, yeah. and I didn't call the police on her. It was a teacher who heard me speak in the middle of a uh, class project. And she's the one that turned me in or turned us in, made a phone call, whatever. She reported us. So it had nothing to do with me. And so I went out to my dad's, lived there for six years, got pregnant started that whole thing. Well, I was scared when I got pregnant. So I moved back to Denver, um, to be closer to my mom so she could help me raise my, my child and she could help me be a better mother. I didn't know what I was doing. 
And so we did that and she fell in love with my son. She was a great grandmother to all of my kids. She did a lot for them that I couldn't do because financially um, I wasn't capable of doing it. And she was really good to my kids. She's always been really good to my kids. But she and I have always butted heads and not gotten along. And she's always put me down. I've never heard her say that I'm a good mother. I've never heard her say anything positive about me ever. She talks about my brother in glowing terms and she talks about her grandkids in glowing terms, but she doesn't, she doesn't do that with me. There are always problems. And when she got remarried, her husband used to have to get in the middle of us because she would be putting me down and I'd be crying, asking her what the problem is. And he would have to put a stop to it. And once he died, it went right back to the way that it used to be. So it's always been a very sad situation. And I've always longed for to have a mom who was involved in my life and interested and we could go have petty mani petties together. We could go eat lunch together. I've always really mm-hmm. longed for that, but just have never had the chance to do that. So fast forward, my son starts getting into trouble when he's a teenager and wound up. He, when my dad died, my mom lived in a little town far, uh, probably 20 minutes away from us. And she decided to move back to Denver. And so when she would be in, in Castle Rock, moving her stuff back to Denver, my son and his thug friends would go down there and steal stuff from her. And then when she was in Denver, getting ready to go back and get another load, my son would come up to Denver and steal stuff from her here. So when I found out what was going on, I told my mom everything that was going on and made my son give back what he could, but he had pawned most of it. So I helped my mom. I called the police on my son. I helped my mom track her stuff down in the pawn shops. I wanted to make everything right. And I really thought that this would be the breakthrough moment where she would trust me and know that I I had her back. And it it didn't do anything for that. Uh, My son wound up doing prison time because of, of his drug addiction and because of him stealing from her. And she blamed me for him going to prison, even though it was because he was stealing her stuff. So that never legitimized into anything. That never yeah. helped our relationship. And so let's 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 pause. Let's put a pin right there and go back okay. to go back to because I, I I know you got a lot you want to talk about as far as with that relationship, but I, I noticed how we just skated right on by what happened when you were 14. Isn't that funny how I skated on by that? Uh-huh. uh-huh. So if I were to ask you, how old were you? How old were you? At that point, probably about six. So it wasn't it wasn't 14. It was six. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was a little girl who needed help and wanted help. And I would tell my dad when we would go out to visitation with him, you know, that mom's mean and mom hits me. And yeah. and my dad would just say, you know, they hated each other and went to court for 25 years over their divorce. 
So they, they did everything they could to torment each other, but he would just tell me to hang in there. So I had no one that would help me, you know, and when you're a little kid, you don't have any say, you don't have any control over where you, where you are or where you have to be. Yeah. You know, do, do you think sometimes, cause you're, you're getting ready to turn 50. Do you think sometimes you find yourself, I'll, I'll just say this about me and then you just tell me if you relate. I think for me, maybe I was 12 and I say 12 because this was the moment in my life where, where prior to 12, I had already felt like um, I, I wasn't wanted. Like I just, I wasn't wanted. And then around 12, I guess I was 12, sixth grade, we got snatched out of my mom's home and put into foster care. Mm. And so that was like another blow. I was like, dang, you know what I mean? You know, that, that whole abandonment feeling. And I think after, like, even while I was in foster care, and I talk about this in the book whenever I can finish it, but even in um, foster care, I found myself wanting to just stay there because I felt like I had a place, I felt wanted, I felt cared for, you know, I was able to do some of the things I wanted to do. I was happy. I was excited about going into seventh grade. I was going to be in the band. I was going to do this. I was going to do that. I don't recall my mom showing up to like a court date. And so that made me feel like, okay, so she really just not ready for us to come back. Like, what is this? It was me and my, my youngest sister, my younger sister. And anyway, we finally, you know, returned home. But that's when everything just started. Like, I started getting real rebellious. I was like, you know, questioning everything. Like, where was my dad in this moment? Because, you know, between everybody in the family, why did this even have to happen? And I think that's when I kind of started going down this road of self-destruction, self-sabotage, self-doubt, you know, all these different things so if you were to ask me how old are you i think sometimes i find myself still stuck as this 12 year old and i'm trying to nurture her and i'm trying to you know give her all these things that she wanted mm -hmm. um because that's gonna that's part of my process i'm like i have to identify what the hurt actually was not just her but who did it <laughs> absolutely who did it because that's that's part of the forgiveness like who did it what was it i can't move forward in the journey without knowing and understanding that so with you um at six years old and you know going through what you went through do you have you have you gotten to a place where you're um healing from that or have you healed from it you're still working on it where are you with that now through a lot of therapy a lot of therapy when my kids were young. I I now forgive her and realize that she did the best she could when she could. Yeah. But I say that and two minutes later, I'm right back to that same spot wondering why I was the one she picked on. You know, why yeah. why me? Why have you asked? Have, did you even I asked, asked her before okay. and she just 
kind of poo-poos it and goes, I, I've never treated you any differently than anybody else. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, well. And, but it's so clear, even my, I, it's a very small, we have a very small family. And it's even clear to my aunt and uncle on her side how unjust and just how differently she's always treated me. And they've yeah. always said they don't know why she treats me that way. She just always has. And I, you know, it's funny that you said that because when I got to North Carolina to live with my dad, boy, I started down a rebellious streak and that's how I wound up pregnant at 19. Well, I was pregnant at 18 and had my son at 19 mm -hmm. because I was a wild child. And I think that a lot of that was to try to, to prove, I wanted my dad to prove that he loved me. How much is he going to take before he goes away? You know, because my mom went away so easily. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I ever had my mom. And so I really wanted my dad to prove to me, are you going to stick around? Yeah. And he did and he didn't, you know, so it was another slap in the face. He found it very easy when I was 16 to put me in a long-term residential treatment facility. So I was gone for two years because I would, I, and I fully admit I was wild, but <laughs> I was very wild. And he traveled a lot and it was much easier for me, for him to stick me in a hospital and know that I was safe and taken care of than it was for him to come home and, and actually be the parent and take care of me. Yeah. So that was another kind of wound, for, but from a different parent, you know, the yeah. fact that he stuck me there and didn't care. It felt like he didn't care what happened to me. So it just, why why was it important for you to forgive your mom even without the apology? Because I've learned over the years that if you don't forgive someone, when someone has wronged you, even if it's just a perceived wrong or an actual wrong, they start taking up space in your head and you give that person free rent in your head. And it doesn't matter what else you're doing, what else you're focusing on. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what else you're doing. That's always sitting somewhere in the back of your head. And it affects who you are. It affects your personality. It affects how you see things. It affects how you see yourself. And you, you have to get to a point where you forgive the person for yourself, not, it has nothing to do with them. It has mm -hmm. to do with yourself because exactly. they, they don't deserve to take up that free rent in your head. You've got way too many other positive things that you could be filling your head with and putting in your mind than dealing mm -hmm. with someone who's wronged you and hurt you because it just stays there and festers and just becomes this, this yeah. mess. I think, I think with my mom, I, I, I would like to say that I forgave her maybe maybe some years ago, but there were there were always these little things lingering in the back of my head. And so I would, you know, talk to her and then not talk to her, talk to her and then not talk to her. And I share with you, you know, and then when my mom, my mom passed two years ago and it's like everything just stopped. It's a jolt. And I'm like, 
I don't care about what happened with us. I don't care that we never really had the mother-daughter relationship. You are still my mom. And, you know, and I was like, we're just not even going to worry about the past because in that moment, I'm like, my mom is getting ready to, like, no longer be here. And so part of the part of forgiveness was, you know, in that, but also, like you said, like it took it, it was draining carrying around, not just with my mom, but with anybody else that has done anything hurtful to me. It was like draining to just carry that stuff around. Right. What about what about your dad? You know, unfortunately, my dad and I haven't spoken for 30 years now. Um okay. He married a lady who I didn't see eye to eye with, and I only met her a couple of times. And he just kind of cut me out of his life. So okay. I haven't spoken to him in 30 years. In fact, um, recently I had a cancer scare where they diagnosed me with cancer. And I sent him a text message and said, you know, look, I've got this. They think I've got this multiple myeloma. It, does this run in your side of the family? You know, are there blood cancers on your side of the family? And he said, no, good luck. And that was it. Oh, goodness. So, yeah, I don't know what I did to oh, make him angry, but, uh, you know, I don't know what the deal is. We've never recovered from all of that, which okay. is sad because I, I wish that I had my dad in my life, too. Yeah. How do you move? How do you how do you progress? Like how do you live a life that's fulfilling? That's um, just all you know all of the good things. How do you move forward in life? Because I, I was creating this um, lesson plan uh, for high school girls, and I was talking about um, how before we become school age, like when we're young, your parents have all this control over how you fit into society or into the environment. They have control over all the variables that contribute to how you love yourself, how you accept yourself. And so when that's missing, like how do you, how do you then become an adult and try to pivot and, 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 love yourself and accept yourself when you are not given that or shown that as a kid. You know, I, I think that that's really difficult. And I'll tell you, I tried really hard to do everything for my kids that wasn't done for me. I poured myself into my kids and made sure that they knew that I loved them and made sure that they had clean clothes. And I didn't my mom would overburden me with chores. I made sure that they didn't, they weren't responsible for keeping my house totally picked up. You know, I, I let them be kids and I tried every day consciously to make sure that they knew I loved them. But, and my mom's still living. We haven't spoken in five years. Um, and that's her choice, not mine. But Jen, she lives right. maybe three miles from me. Um, but it's, I still struggle with that. I still have to remind myself that I'm an adult now and it's, it's up to me. And I'm just now coming to terms with how to love myself without having parental love. 
you know, I, I absorb it from my friends and the rest of my family that isn't crazy cuckoo in the head. And I, I really try to maintain a strong, close relationship with my kids. Mm -hmm. They're the most important thing in the world to me. And I always want them to know that. And I am, I'm really, I just spent all day yesterday with my daughter and I love days like that. And I, it came up yesterday and I, I said to her, I really wish I had these days, days like this with grandma. You know, I really wish that I could be the daughter and do things like this with my mom because it's hard when you feel like your tank hasn't gotten full you know, your love tank, it's really hard then to fill someone else's love tank. Yeah. And as a parent, that's what your job is, is to keep your, your kids' love tanks filled and to make sure that they have a sense of identity and where they came from and who they are. And that's hard to do when you were never given that yourself. Yeah. You know, do you, do you feel like, um, do you feel like you've kind of that that maybe you've exhausted all possibilities? Do you feel like you've done everything in your power to cultivate a healthier relationship with your mom or your dad? I I still well, I text my dad on his birthday and on Christmas and you know, and I do that for me, not for him. I feel like my parents are getting older. They're, they're in their seventies. And whether I get a response back or not from my dad, it hurts when I don't get a response. Of course it yeah. hurts. Yeah. But I don't want him to die and me think I never reached out or I never did anything to try to repair things, you know? And I've, so I've tried staying in contact with him like that. Um, but he's moved several times and chosen not to tell me that he's moved. And he doesn't usually text me back for my birthday or my, or he'll get the day wrong for my birthday, which really makes you feel good. Um, but I don't want it to come. And I, I have not reached out to my mom because she literally, the last text I have from her is that she was going to the attorney's office to disinherit me from her will. So I feel like she still totally badmouths me to my daughter. She still makes all of her comments to my daughter about me. So why do I want that negativity coming back in my life? If my mom and I had been close at one point and we had done the fun mother daughter things, then of course I would be reaching out to her and trying to solve things. But it's so obvious to me that she doesn't want she doesn't want to be around me. And so it's like, why put myself in that position? Because even though I crave having, I, I crave the ideal mom being in my life. I don't know that I crave my mom being in my life, you know, because she just, she can just walk in a room and suck the air out of it. You know, it just, it's such a deflating, demeaning relationship that why do I want to get back into that? And I know I'm going to feel horrible when she passes. I dread that day. Oh, I dread that day because I wish things had been different. But if the other person doesn't wish for change, then how do you, what do you do? Yeah. I mean, you can only, you can only do so much and you can really only do what 
they allow you to do or what they're you know what they're willing to accept i just i, I feel like even not just so much parents but with people in general we have this kind of unspoken expectation and i felt like i put all these expectations on my mom and on my dad and once they didn't live up to it you know <laughs> they're like the worst people in the world right but we do that we put these expectations on people um my question to you is did you ever feel like there was something you did or something that you contributed to the reason they were the way they were with you. Yes. I've questioned myself constantly about that since, since day one. I mean, I, that's one question that I remember wondering about even being a little kid. And I, I remember, I consciously remember being, I don't know, five or six years old and my mom had sent me to my room for whatever. And I remember crying for Santa and asking Santa what I did wrong, you know, and it's, it never has changed because I don't know what I've done. And I, I retrace. I still, still to this day. I'm sorry. Still to this day. Still to this day. I wonder what I've done, but I know I haven't done anything. Okay. Now, I know, I know you said that this, you know, it kind of started at six. We had the situation at 14. So how old were you when you decided, okay, I'm not going to let this consume my, my mind, consume my emotions, dictate how I move in my life. How old are you when that happened? How old were you when that happened? 49. No. <laughs> <laughs> It got better when I went through a lot of therapy in my 20s. Okay. I was better able to, she and I were still, we've gone through periods where we don't speak and, and this and that. This is the longest we've ever gone. Um, but it helped me deal with her negativity better. And it helped me to understand that she makes those choices, not me. I don't necessarily do anything to bring that stuff on. She's the one that makes those decisions. So that helped a lot and it helped me to get her out of my head so much, but I still hear her voice. You know, when I'm, I just had to buy a new refrigerator a year ago and I remember buying the refrigerator and I could hear her voice giving me a checklist of everything that I needed <laughs> to be sure of, you know, and, and, she, and we've never bought a refrigerator together, but I just, she just gets in, you know, they get in your head and it's like, you can't get them out. So I'm trying to, for the last 20 years, I've really tried to let the good parts in and, and kind of just sink the rest of it because it's not doing me any good. Right. It's just, it's just a matter of taking back some of that control taking back, you know, some, some, yeah, taking your power back and, and ultimately deciding how, you know, what's next for you, not letting somebody else make that decision for you. Right. It is. But you know, what's funny is that I have several friends and have had throughout my life that have been close to my mom's age that have become like surrogate moms to me. And I didn't go out seeking that, but it just so happened that I would connect with these women through different areas in my life. 
and they would become these surrogate moms to me and they would invite me and my kids over for Christmas dinner or they would, yeah. you know, they were the people that I could call when I broke up with my boyfriend and what do I do now? They, you know, so I feel like God has put these amazing women in my life to kind of fill the, the part that he really screwed up because I don't know that my mom should have ever had kids. Oh, no. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Seriously. She shouldn't have had a girl kid, I think. A girl? Yeah, it was the girl. <laughs> I think it was the girl thing. I think she got jealous. I just think that it's really important for your own mental health to get over those things that are dragging you down because they're just dragging you down. They don't affect the person. My mom could care less what I'm doing right now. She, you know what I mean? It's, she's not carrying this around in her head and, and letting this burden her. So you, it's important to, to get that out of your head and, and live your best life for you so that you at the end of the day can be proud of yourself and you can look yourself in the mirror and know that you did a good job because yeah. ultimately the thing I've learned is you're the only one that can make yourself happy. You're the only one who can love yourself. You've all you've got, you're all you've got. You know, and it's nice to have the adoration of a husband and your kids and your family and your, but at the end of the day, it's still you and you, you know what you think about before you fall asleep at night, you know what your private thoughts are. And if something keeps popping up in your head and keeps reminding you that you've got this issue that you need to deal with, deal with it and get it over with. So it doesn't plague you for the next 50 years. All right. Because it will, you know, it will. It and happiness, me. like happiness, as you said, happiness is, is really, really, really an inside job. It is. It really is. And I hear you say, you know, get over it. But getting over it is like a process. It's and a that's, why we, that's why we have these conversations. Because I can't, I can't go to my friend. I can't go to my sister and just say, get over it. Exactly. It's a, it's a, it's a process. And part of the process is like we, like we said earlier, identify what the issue is and then address it yourself. Yeah. Address it and, and don't let it, I can't think of the word, but don't let it keep popping up. You know it how plagues you, you, you know how you, how, you know how you take a few steps forward and then something happens and it sets you back a little bit. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. Don't let it do that to you. No. <laughs> and again, no. sometimes you do have to forgive some forgive people without an apology, without even a sometimes you'll get an apology, but it ain't sincere. It ain't genuine. So even without a sincere 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 apology, you have to forgive because I like you said, that's really for you. That's really for you to release that burden of you know carrying all this stuff around when they're over here sleeping good at night. <laughs> Right. It doesn't bother don't, them don't a bit. Care. Like, just don't even care about it. Right. And it's plaguing oh, yeah. you and you feel terrible about it. And it's like this black cloud that follows you around and it, they could care less about it. It doesn't even phase them. Yeah. So why give that person that space in your head, that free rent in your head, when there's so many other things that you could replace it with? Yeah. And it's not easy. It's not just like, well, I'm going to shut that off and, and, you know, fill it with something else. It's not that easy. 
it yeah. takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of reflection and and self-will to get over it yeah you have to really want to do it and you have to keep reminding yourself when it pops up for you that that's not you you didn't cause that you didn't do that you have to really remain true to yourself and that's even harder when you don't know who yourself is right right and i said this before like you know even i'm i'm, I'm 45 mm -hmm. and i've said this like several times like i'm just recently coming into this whole discovering who i am that's phase. that's about when i started it was when yeah. i was 45. i mean because like you say a lot of times your identity is attached to a situation your identity is attached to trauma that happened and then your identity becomes attached to your kids it becomes attached to your husband or your in your wife or it becomes attached to your job and you once you once you're separated from all of that who the heck are you exactly exactly <laughs> you're not david's wife anymore and you're not evan's mom and you're not right you know rebecca's sister and you're not yeah right right but i did i totally get it and i did have to make the decision to let go of because all, all of my all of my stuff I would say, I'll just call it stuff. All of my stuff, um, I feel like I'm slowly addressing them. And I tell people when I do these podcasts, when I do the seminar, I'm not showing up and presenting myself as somebody who's perfect and got it all together. Right. I'm I'm I'm, I'm unraveling. I am. I'm showing you this journey, unedited. <laughs> Robbers. I'm still working on some things. I'm still healing from some things. So I, I like to have conversations like this because it makes you think like, how old are you? Am I still this 12 year old dealing with the fact that once again, I'm separated from my mom and I don't know why I don't know what I did wrong. You know, can, can I fix it? You know what I mean? And then, okay, well, I was what, 42, 43, when I decided, I'm like, I'm not going to let this keep controlling me. And that's the part that I want people to get out of this conversation. You have to, you have the power. Exactly. To take that control back. You exactly. have the power to rewrite the whole story or not the whole story, the ending. <laughs> Right. Because you can't you change what happened. No. You can't change what happened. But you can you can re you can reconstruct it. You can, you know, you can change the ending so that you do live a life that's fulfilling to you. You do live a life that's full of happiness and joy and all the things that you deserve. And I applaud you because I'm gonna be honest. I don't know how I could have done it. It was tough. I don't know how I could have done that. Uh because I just don't know. <laughs> I, now, I, like I said, my mom, we we didn't we didn't have this, you know, the traditional mother daughter relationship that you see. I'm a daddy's girl, but he wasn't always present, and that's the relationship that I craved more than anything. Even now, like if I if I if I want to talk to my dad for a minute, I'm like, oh, uh, excuse me, sir. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hello. <laughs> like, and everybody who knows me knows how I am about my dad. <laughs> that but he sense. wasn't always there. He didn't always make the best choices as it, you know, related to me and my siblings, you know. And then with my mom, I didn't have certain expectations for her. I put them on my dad because that's that's who I, you know, really wanted to be around and have the relationship with. So I couldn't imagine. Isn't that funny? I couldn't. I couldn't imagine going, you know, years not speaking. So and I don't. I don't. And I don't know why. I just and then I not don't even know why. why. Yeah, and I, then not even knowing why. Like, give me a reason. Like, what did I do? What did I do? And I, I sent him a long text a couple of years ago and said, you know what, whatever I did in the past, I'm really, really sorry about. I'm really sorry about. I don't know what I did, but I'm willing to just get over it if we could just start anew and start fresh. And, you know, I'm not the same person that I was when I was 20 years old and I've learned a lot. And I've, you know, he never has known his grandkids. And I've said, yeah. you know, I've raised my kids. I've learned a lot. I understand that I was a wild teenager now. You know, I'd really like to pick things back up with you and and start new. Not a word back. Nothing. So that's hard to work with. Yeah. You know, we're going to get ready to bring the podcast to a close. So I'm going to ask you, what would be your closing remarks for the young lady or even the young men who's ever watching who are still stuck at that particular point? Because I tell people all the time, it's a reference point, but we don't, we don't want to set up shop there. No. You know, if you if you need to visit, if you need to take a look back in the rearview mirror, do that so that you can keep moving forward. What would you say to the young lady or young man who is stuck in that particular point in their life and struggling to move forward? The first thing I would say is that it's OK to get therapy. There's nothing wrong with getting help so you can get through some of that because there are some god awful stories out there and if you need help to push through your story and and make it to the next level do that because there's nothing wrong with that mm -hmm. and the second thing i would say is be gentle with yourself but at the same time don't forget that you have an incredible amount of power and if you harness that power and you put that power to work for you You'll yeah. be amazed at the places you can go, at the things you can that. do, but you have to be willing to almost say, you know what? Not my problem anymore. This really sucked and I'm really sorry for whatever yeah. it is, but I got to move on, man. I, yeah. you know, I got to do something different for me. There's nothing wrong with that. At the end of the day, you're all you have. And you can't go to bed every night upset over something that happened a year ago, five years ago, 10 years ago. It just takes up space in your head. You know, use that space for something else. 
good good words of um encouragement and advice the word i was trying to think of earlier y'all i just went and looked it up because i knew it was on to my tongue and i had to go look it up it's called ruminate ruminating yes yes, yes. that's what i was trying to think of earlier it's like that repetitiveness that constantly thinking or dwelling on a negative feeling or a negative point in time and it causes you all this distress so yes. no ruminating no okay. ruminating no <laughs> not at this household no one of the one of the other things that we do um toward the end of the podcast is our words of affirmation so we have this little affirmation box and i i guess i could have got one from you and wrote it and put it in here since you're not physically here but we had some in here already so i pulled one i'm going to read our words of affirmation oh good Okay, let's see if I can read this handwriting. <laughs> uh oh. Not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it is faced. Okay, say that again. Oh, let's read that again. Not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it is faced. That's pretty good. That is deep. That is deep. That's deep. All right. So, Miss Catherine, again, I am so glad that we got a chance to sit here and chat and that you were so ready to jump on board and dive off this cliff with me. Oh, Shamika, <laughs> I had a great time. I'll dive off any cliff you want. <laughs> I'm going to let you go and enjoy the rest of your day. And to everybody that's listening and tuned in right now, remember, count your blessings. Absolutely. Bye. I'm talking with me, speak.